Welcome, everyone. Today on the Housing Wire Daily podcast, I am talking to Tracy Velt, editorial director of Real Trends, about how real estate brokerages, brokers, and agents are adjusting to a shifting market. Companies who went through the great financial crisis understand that this market has some real opportunities and they're taking advantage of those. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Yes, thanks. I'm excited about talking. Ah, we love having you on. So you're the editorial director at Real Trends. And from my perspective, you have your ear to the ground for all things real estate. And that's why we love having you on here. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, just market shifts. You know, we've we've covered mm-hmm. this so much either on Housing Wire and Real Trends from different perspectives, right? So I'd love to get some of your intel that you've gotten through your podcast, Um, I know you go to a lot of events and just talking to a lot of industry leaders about the market shifts and how they're affecting real estate. Yeah, you know, um, I was just at the United Real Estate um, Conference, their reunited conference, the first one that they've done in person um, since COVID. And I talked to a couple of brokers there, uh, uh, you know, about the market and what's going on. And I know um, most of them have made the comment that sales volume and agent commissions are still high because prices are high, but their transaction sides, they're starting to see a drop in transaction sides, which is especially interesting for the flat fee brokerage firms like United and many others that really rely on a transaction fee um, for their income rather than a commission split. So I'll be interested to see what happens with those brokerage firms. Are they going to raise fees? Um, you know, what, what are they going to do? Now, United um, does have some venture capital money. They've, they've done a lot with their tech platform and that. And their plan, according to Dan Duffy, the CEO, and um, Rick Haas, president of United Real Estate, both um, are intent on expansion, major expansion through a market shift. And I honestly think that that is what really uh, most strategic brokerage firms do during a market shift um, like we see coming is that's when they really pool their resources and expand and gain market share. And a lot of that has been learned through the Great Recession a lot of brokers were not prepared for that at all. Everything had been, you know, going great. Money was being made. And all of a sudden they got the rug pulled out from under them and had to scramble. And they're, they're doing what they did during that time has definitely set them up for continuing success no matter what the market is. And that includes, um, oper- you know, cutting operating expenses, really being lean and mean, and um, really shoring up their leadership team to really focus on what's next. I think you know we know so many people in mortgage and real estate who that's when they that's when they built their business was uh, after the great financial crisis. I mean, you think oh that'd be a terrible time to to do that, but for people who are really smart, that's the time of um, you know a lot of chaos and 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 trouble where you can really be the one who comes in and if you're prepared for it which certainly we would think that this time around it you know this would be something we we could prepare for much better because you could see it coming like i mean this boom cannot last forever and we know that there's so many problems from the inventory side so just from a standpoint of like there aren't enough homes to buy you would think that this would be something that people would see coming and I think a lot of brokerages do. And um, again, the Great Recession has 
taught them a really important lesson in being prepared for for a market shift like this. Um, One of the things that we recently had Josh Harley, the CEO of Fathom, discuss is the culture of your business. And people don't really understand the impact that culture can have um, in in attracting and retaining real estate agents and, and really helping your company through. I also interviewed J.W. Webb, who is the CEO of Professional Realty um, Services International, and they have a Realtrends 500 firm, and they are also a flat fee broker. And really, they rely on their reputation. They rely on their agents. Um and serving their agents in just small ways to continue to keep them and to keep them, um, you know, increasing their per agent productivity and things like that. So what Josh really talks about from Fathom is that your leadership team will determine whether you, you live or die. And that leadership team must be in tune with your culture. Um, and that leadership team, having that team shored up before any market shift will really go a long way in, in serving you as you as you go through. Um, now, United at their conference, Rick Haas, um, their president, did say that he expects a 10% decrease in transaction sides. So that will be, um, you know, I've heard that from quite a few brokers who are definitely prepared for it. And they've been prepared for it for a little while. So I think that the the real estate industry is going to make out okay. I mean, I think that most of the, the brokers who have gone through the Great Recession are ready for it. Interesting that, you know, when you talk about what it is that that retains people, and so often what we see is it's not necessarily just money. It's no. so often the relationships, it's the soft people skills, it's the culture, which, you know, is is harder to define and, and get a metric around. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, Steve Murray, the founder of Real Trends, has always said, if it was only about the money for agents, all of, all of you, meaning all of the brokerages, would be out of business um, because <laughs> the competition is so steep. And it's not all about the money for agents. I mean, obviously, there's a, a it's important, but it's about the services. It's about the culture. It's about the leadership. And again, what what Josh Harley said, it, it is about the leadership and what United um, Real Estate also really it's about the leadership um, continuing to to move forward, to expand, to take advantage of of market shifts and to really serve their agents, which is in a lot of cases with brokerage, their main customer. That's an interesting point. You also uh, talked recently on your podcast, on the Real Trending podcast with Smokey Garrett. Tell us a little bit about what he had to say about preparing for a market shift. Yeah, now he, um, he we did it recently, and, it, and we're going to release this research pretty soon through Real Trends. Um, but we did a an entire 10-year look from 2011 to 2020 of 731 brokerage companies who have been on the rankings during those 10 years. And Smokey Garrett, he is the operating partner of Keller Williams, the Go Network. And he... His office was number one by sales volume over those 10 years, number one by agent growth, number one by transaction sides. And yes, they did some mergers, acquisitions, bringing together this network. 
but he also was, I think, number 12 in growth and agent productivity. So those mergers and acquisitions played some of that role, but that doesn't explain the agent productivity part of it. And so when I talked to him, we talked a lot about what did they do to have this type of growth? And again, he really talked about shoring up his leadership team. Um, And one of the lessons that he really learned was you can grow too fast. And if you aren't explaining and being transparent with your agents um, about what you're doing, that it could cause a lot of problems. But He said they really had to be clear around how someone is successful as far as agents are concerned. And talking a lot about what was going on at the time with foreclosures and helping agents price and learning the skill sets necessary to um, continue the momentum that they they had during a slow market into into the market when it started booming. I would think that right now this is a really interesting time for, you know, I, I write a newsletter for um, appraisers. And one of the things I'm always talking about is how do you come up with a valuation when market conditions are changing so rapidly? And over the last two years, we've seen huge home price appreciation and, and what homes are selling for, what they're listed for, but then what they're selling for. So the comps are kind of crazy, but they're also a little bit lagging. Well, now we're in that sort of transition market um, where you have still some incredibly booming markets with, you know, multiple bids, and then you have some that are cooling off a little bit. So in the same way that appraisers have to adjust, I would think that real estate agents as they're, you know, really advising their sellers and also advising their buyers on what offers to put in this kind of really volatile environment would would take a lot of training. Absolutely. Um, You know, training on how to handle price reductions, even though that's not happening in some markets, it's happening in other markets where, um, you know, they're not used to handling price reductions because it has always been (laughs) in the past several years, um, they've had to actually deal with the opposite of selling these properties for above their listing price. So it's, it's training on those basic skills that really helps agents through any market. So if you understand how price reductions work and you know how to work with your with um, your sellers on that, if you understand the local market, which is vital, if you understand the local market to understand the shifts in, in pricing and, and helping them determine a price, if you understand how to um, avoid taking an overpriced listing or how to, you know, explain to to sellers how you came to the the um, comp that you're giving them is really important. Those are just those basic skills that sometimes in really hot markets, they they fall to the wayside. And I think the brokers who are who are really teaching all of the basic skills to their agents and the agents who are seeking out additional education on that will thrive no matter what the market. And we know there's huge demand for the the homes that are still for sale. So yes, we're you know we're seeing some cooling down um, in some markets, and that might mean less multiple bids or or whatever. But I do think that that training would be key because you know it depends on when you got into into the real estate business whether you really know how to do that. And I would think negotiating with your sellers when they have they've been primed to expect 
just the moon, right? We can just, we can just put some crazy number on this and we're going to have multiple people and people are going to be lined up around the block to, um, to see the house. And it's like, well, I'm sure that's very dependent on the house and the, and the hyper local market, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Real estate is local as much as you'd like to, um, base those skills on, you know, the market nationally, it really is all about your local market and understanding, um, the dips and the, and the swells and in that and, and what's going on and reading, um, knowing your numbers, really looking at the days on market, seeing, comparing it to last month's days on market, understanding, um, and really taking time every month to review, the MLS and some of those um, key numbers that you need to pay attention to because you'll be able to spot a shift a lot sooner than the agents who are not looking at those. Well, and if you're just looking at the the reports that come out monthly or quarterly, I mean, those lag, right? So to your point, the MLS and like what just sold and when you can look at really um, sort of like real-time data, I would think that would be much more impactful than, than especially right now in this kind of market where it's just, we know that those interest rate hikes are going to start start really impacting things, but it depends on what data you look at if that's lagging or not. Yeah, and honestly, interest rates, they're still low. And even going up a little bit, yes, it'll price people out of the market, but understanding how to frame that for buyers and sellers um, so that they understand, um, you know, what to expect in the market is important too. So it's not the, you know, end of the world that interest rates are rising. It's not what we want. Um, But it also, you know, when you compare it to markets in the 80s and that it really, it's still, we still have a pretty good, uh, housing market and, and pretty good interest rates. Absolutely. And I think that's also part of the training that hopefully agents have, which is to help their potential buyers see one of the questions we get all the time on our side is like, did I miss it? You know, especially over the last couple of years, did I, did I, is it, is it too late now? Should I just sit out the market for a while, let it cool off? And those are questions that agents have to field all the time, right? And of course, it's very it's very specific to that person whether they should buy at any given time or not. There's not really there's not a formula you can use <laughs> to say, yeah, is this the right time for you to buy? But I would think that having just that um, some of the data and understanding the economic background and also understanding that even you know five and a half if if we get there soon is, is to your point, historically low. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's talk. One of the things that real trends really, uh, keeps their, their finger on the pulse of is like how agents make money. Um, you guys do all sorts of rankings. You've referenced some already. So, you know, we, you've been watching carefully the, the case against the national association of realtors, which is, um, so just recently, the most recent news on that is the federal court dismissed a commission sharing case, against NAR. Can you tell us a little bit about what is the background of that case and what this federal court did? Um, I can't really talk to that case specifically. I can talk to the issue generally. Um, And one of the the big things is is transparency and uh, in commissions and understanding. um, Really, it's all about the buyer's side commission. And these lawsuits are really focusing on that, that um, they're they have not been disclosed and that consumers don't understand what they're actually paying for. But the more interesting thing is, is 
what the ultimate goal is for these lawsuits um, is the ultimate goal getting rid of the MLS. Um, and if so, what are we going to? Because, you know, honestly, without commission sharing, there is no opportunity for an MLS. And even in countries that did not have an MLS, they they do have exclusive listings and um those exclusive listings generally offer more exposure and marketing and in you often get a better price for the seller as well so it'll be interesting what what they you know how these how these actually play out but i think it would be you know my personal feeling is it's a, a bad idea to get rid of the mls that they're that there are a lot of benefits to the consumer um, and to obviously the agent, but really to the consumer in getting their property marketed and getting interest in their property. And yeah, so the possibility of buyer's agents disappearing and possibly the MLS disappearing is, is real. Although I do feel like, um, you know, it's a long shot in my opinion, but we'll, we'll see how they shake out. So just for the uninitiated, the MLS is the multiple listing service, and those are mm-hmm. generally affiliated with the National Association of Realtors, correct? That's part correct. of what you get in the in the membership? Yes, that is correct. And so people are taking issue with this because why? Um, well, they're saying that it's not fair to the consumer that um, in a lot of different areas that commissions are fixed and that's an antitrust um, violation, but commissions are negotiable. You know, that, that is an option that, that a seller and, you know, and buyer have then they're in there. So they're taking issue to the fact that the seller pays the commission and part of that goes to the buyer's agent. And it's not clear to consumers that part of that commission is going to the buyer's agent. Now, the MLS, uh, NAR has made some changes to offer more transparency. Um, I know Redfin is also posting what the buyer agent is is receiving in commission. Um, and whether that is enough um, will remain to be seen. I guess, you know, I've sold several homes and, um, you know, I understood that that was all part of it. Like you pay the buyer's <laughs> you you pay for yeah. the buyer's agent, so I, I I guess it seems interesting to me. I maybe I've just had really great um, transparency on that, but interesting to see how that shakes out. You know, when we think about um, consumers finding homes and how that process goes, we always think about Zillow. So uh, not an MLS, but um, mm-hmm. talk to us about Zillow. That w- it's earnings seasons, and uh, Zillow had a profitable Q one. They did. Um, you know, one of the I think. Personally, you know, there was a lot said about Zillow cutting eye buying. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people rejoiced in that, what they considered that failure. But good leaders um, are quick to take action on something that is not working for their company. And for Zillow, eye buying was not working. Um, they've managed to, to, um, get rid of those properties pretty quickly and do well with that. Um, and most of their their profitability came from their premier agent uh, marketing and advertising program as well. Anyway, so by getting rid of the iBuying, um, it's not a surprise to me that, that Zillow has 
boosted their profitability. And I actually think they're, um, they've always been pretty innovative in what they're doing. So it'll be interesting where they go from here with their housing super app and, um, and everything that they're working on. But as far as, as what they have to offer, they've always been a marketing and advertising um, company. And, and so Again, the eye buying did not work for them, and I think it's smart leadership to to cut those things out as quickly as possible. Agreed. I mean, it was it was hard to see how this, you know, basically data company, IT company, you know, how it made sense to have physical assets that they were right. holding on to and then selling. You know, an eye buyer who set up that that's what they do. You can see how they built their business model around it. This seemed like a from the very beginning, potentially a distraction. Apparently, that was that was the case. Um, well, yeah. you know what, Tracy, I'd like to end on just talking about some of the amazing things we have set up for Gathering of Eagles. It's a it's a conference that's been going on for a couple of decades. It's much beloved. If you're in the real estate industry, I mean, people love this conference, especially leaders of real estate companies love this conference. And you've lined up some pretty incredible speakers. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a preview of who you have. Sure. Um, you know, we have we have three industry leaders who will be see, uh, speaking separately on the brokerage, kind of the future of the industry, what they see for brokers, what they see in the market, um, and where their companies are heading. And one of those is Glenn Sanford. He is the founder of EXP Realty, the CEO of um, EXP World Holdings. He'll be speaking um, all about kind of what's next for real estate. Um, that company has obviously grew in leaps and bounds in the past several years. We've got Christy Budnick. She is the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, the franchise side of the company. Um, she'll be talking from a traditional standpoint of what's um, what's next for the franchise side of her brokerage, as well as just the the brokerage industry as a whole. And then we've got the CEO of KWX, which is Keller Williams holding company, um, Carl Lieber, who will also be speaking about the future of the industry. So major power leaders who are um, front and center, you know, to what's going on in the real estate space will be really enlightening us about what they see as, as next for the industry. Um, we've also got a game changers panel and our game changers um, is an award that we that we offer to the top brokers and independent and franchise who grew the highest um, by transaction side percentage in the last five years. So on that panel, I'm not going to tell you who it is just yet because we're announcing our game changers on May 24th. But um, these are our power brokers who have figured out a way, whether it's organically through M&A or through a mix to um, grow their brokerages over the last five years. And some of the percentages are incredible, um, 1,000%, 490%, uh, 200%. So uh, and it, and you'd be surprised at the different ways that they're growing. Um, and they're going to talk about that you know, what what strategic changes they made to um, have the growth that they did. It's going to be fascinating. I, I think one of the things I love about this conference is it just the speakers that you have. And, you know, because Real Trends has 
decades of data on these things, you're looking at like, who do we, who would add the most value to the audience? And you know who that is. Like to your point, I mean, these are, this is based on the data that you have over a couple of decades. And so you're, you're culling from that list and, and really seeing who are the standouts and who does the audience. Yeah. We're not guessing. We're not saying, Oh, I think this office grew a lot. (laughs) So let's talk to them. Um, no, we are, we are looking and, and that's one of the, um, you know, benefits of real trends is we have this data going back for, you know, 30 years on these brokerages that we can compare um, and and assess and analyze and and really kind of suss out the people who are who you may have never heard of, but are really making an impact in the industry, maybe quietly, maybe not. So um, and learn from their experiences. Especially right now, I feel like that insight is so incredibly important. And it's coming up quick, Gathering of Eagles, June 26th through 29th. It's at the Broadmoor Hotel, the most beautiful hotel I've ever been in, in Colorado Springs. And um, just a gorgeous place to be. Uh, Either people sometimes take their teams, they take their families. There's lots of great networking time. So people should uh, not delay and sign up. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Spaces Limited, Larry Kendall from Ninja coaching um, or ninja selling. He is holding a special, he's our keynote, but he's holding a special workshop that is limited um, to, I think, 140 people. And we only have 14 seats left in that. So um, it's important if you're interested in that in that workshop um, to, to sign up right now because it's selling out. Go to realtrends.com. That's also where you can find the Real Trend Name podcast, which Tracy hosts every week. It's incredible. And Tracy, thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW Plus, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.